In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, again, happy, happy <laughs> epiphany. Tried to make a new word there. Uh, some combination of happy and epiphany. It's good to, to see you. And what, we are fortunate this year that we get to celebrate epiphany uh, on a Sunday. We often transfer this day to the nearest Sunday in order to celebrate our paternal feast day. But this year we have the opportunity to uh, celebrate it on the actual Sunday. And so as we think about this, the conclusion to the Christmas season in, in many ways, if not the way that the Christmas season concludes, we, we don't want to think about it as necessarily just the conclusion of something, but we also want to think about it as the beginning of something as well. And this year, Epiphany season will last a bit longer than it has in the past number of years, and so we'll have uh, quite a season of Epiphany. But I want us to think together tonight, if you will, about what Epiphany is, is all about, what it celebrates, um, what its purpose is in the liturgical calendar. And uh, I've preached before about the history of the, of the day and how it came, uh, how Christmas came to be on its date and how Epiphany came to be on its date. But the word Epiphany, of course, comes from the Greek word Epiphania, which means manifestation. And so in many ways, it's, it's the day when we do celebrate the incarnation of Jesus, right? His manifestation. But, but the manifestation that we remember in particular on this day is the, is the one to the wise men, right? Now, historians are unsure how long it would have taken these wise men to get to, uh, to, to Bethlehem to worship, uh, probably not 13 days, something much longer than that. But they arrive and, and uh, follow the star, uh, and they come to to see Jesus. And so we too are encouraged in the Old Testament lesson from tonight in, in Isaiah to lift up your eyes and see. Verse 4 of Isaiah 60, lift up your eyes and see. Right? And what are we to see? Well, we're to see the coming of the Savior. We're to, to see that a light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. And of course, that is the person of Jesus. And so that's what we lift up our eyes to see is the infant Jesus, right? We, we look up to, to see him there with his mother, uh, his father, his human father, the others who have gathered around him. And although they might not be mentioned in this context, and I'm sure no matter how long it took uh, these wise men to get there, there was probably still a lot going on in the lives of Mary and Joseph and the infant Jesus, Right? They've not had to flee yet, but, but so a lot is still yet to come. But this miraculous birth is certainly still being celebrated and wondered at. And again, no matter how long it took these wise men to arrive, right, they too are now signaling something significant. And that significance is really what we celebrate tonight, what we remember. And that is, is that the gospel, the good news, to, again, to quote the last line of our Isaiah reading tonight, they shall bring gold and frankincense, yes, but they shall also bring good news, the praises of the Lord. And so tonight we celebrate that the gospel made possible in the person of Jesus Christ is for all people, Jew and Gentile alike. Now, this was always the case. It was not that the gospel, the good news, that salvation was not for 
uh, non-Jewish people in the Old Testament. Um, no, the law made way for non-Jewish people, those who were not in the family and line of Abraham, to still become part of the covenant and to become faithful people, saved, to use more New Testament language. So it's not that the law did not make salvation possible for the Gentiles, but Paul in Ephesians is clear and makes a big deal about the fact that the coming of Jesus is, in fact, for the Gentiles, and that he himself is an apostle to the Gentiles, right? That he was commissioned by God. I mean, ironically, this, this Jew of Jews who was so, uh, such a good Jew in one sense that he persecuted Christians, right, um, is now he who is to bring the gospel to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews. And so lift up your eyes and see, Isaiah says. But when we look up, what do we see? Well, again, we see the infant Jesus, and we need to be reminded of that this evening. But we also see three things, I think, from the Ephesians passage. And the first is the eternal purpose of God. Paul's language, the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I think the main thing to think about there is that this salvation that is offered to everyone, Jew and Gentile alike, is not an afterthought by God. I think I've said that before while preaching here, that it is tempting to read the Old Testament as a series of failures, right? God creates a man and a woman and puts them in the garden gives them the best opportunity to succeed in that garden, to not sin against him, but live in communion with him. He even isolates, localizes the way that they could sin against him, right? It was not a secret how they could sin against God. He told them, if you eat of that tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll sin against me. What did they do? They sinned against God. So God sent them out of the garden, and, and uh, eventually humankind grew so wicked that God... And again, this is, this is uh, maybe a blunt way of saying it. God hit a hard reset with the flood and started over with a family. And what happened there? Well, humans being fallen humans continued to sin. So much so that they got together and said, hey, let's, let's build a tower that'll go up to God. That's a great idea. And God said, what am I going to do with you people? And so he makes it hard for them to communicate. And then you know, the beginning of the 12th chapter of the Old Testament, God focuses in on Abraham and his family, right? So it's tempting, and I, and I do describe the Old Testament like this to students. It's tempting to read a bit of the, you know, the beginning of the Old Testament as a series of failures and restarts on the part of God, not because God is failing, but because humans are doing it. But, but this is not another hard reset, if you will, right? God didn't kind of run, his patience didn't finally run out, and he said, I can't take it anymore, Right now, these Abrahamic, these descendants of Abraham are driving me crazy. So I'll send my son and offer it to everyone. Right, that's that's what we need is that kind of hard reset. No, that the eternal purpose of God was realized in Jesus Christ. That from the beginning, from the time that humankind had sinned against God, His plan was to send His Son to purchase our salvation. Why He came, when He came. Though people have thought, well, with the kind of peace that Rome brought and those kinds of things, maybe that's why, but, but that's neither here nor there. We don't need to know the mind of God as to why he sent Jesus when he did. We just need to know that that had always been God's plan, right? It was not his desperate act to try to do something with this unruly group of people that he had made. 
know that the eternal purpose of God was realized in Jesus Christ our Lord. So tonight we do not celebrate a kind of hard restart. We don't, we don't celebrate a kind of, you know, God is tired of one group of people, so he throws it wide open to everyone. Instead, we celebrate the fruition of God's eternal purpose in the person of Jesus Christ, symbolized in the wise men from the east coming to worship the infant Jesus. We also see, as we lift up our eyes on this epiphany, that this is accomplished through the church. That is, we are God's plan. We are God's plan because we are the church. It's not this building, right? It's not these pews. It's not this burnt carpet in the middle of the floor here. It's, for those of you who weren't here last week, we had an incense accident. So uh, for those who were here are probably nervous about us swinging the thurible tonight. We'll do our best to not repeat last week. But you know, we are God's plan. The church, again, is not this building or any collection of buildings or what's in the buildings. It's the people of God. We are God's church, right? So he says, He wants to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God may now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So not only was this God's eternal plan, but his plan was to use us, the church. We are God's chosen means to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. And so every year in Epiphany, because it's our patronal feast day, I like to challenge us to think about how are we doing? What are we doing to be the church, to be part of God's plan, to bring this light of Jesus to the people? And I ask myself that question, right? I know that in many ways as a parish, so many of us, even though many of us don't, some people don't work at Biola, they still work within Christian circles, that a lot of us, it's, it's not hard to think about the fact that we mostly know a lot of Christians. And that's great. Of course, that's great. Christians need to uh, be there for one another, right? But how are we, as the church, making known to people the mystery of God revealed in Jesus Christ? And maybe we would look back to 2018 personally and corporately and think, maybe we didn't do a great job of that. Maybe we did the best that we could or know how to do, and that's, that's good. But with all things, I imagine that there's room for improvement, that we collectively as the church of God can do better in that, that we individually as members of the church of Jesus Christ can do better at that. So again, this eternal purpose is no good if we, the church, don't become the means by which it is made known. God, in one sense, doesn't need us, except in the other sense, he, he wants to need us. He wants to use us. This is his plan, right? God could make this known miraculously in his own way, yet he chooses to use us. The irony of it all is that we humans who got ourselves into this mess to begin with are God's agents to help get us out of this mess. And of course, Jesus was a human, So actually, the human, Jesus Christ, ultimately gets us out of this mess. So what do we see when we look? Well, the eternal purpose is always in place, that the the gospel was always for Jew and Gentile alike, and that we, the church, are God's plan to deliver that message. And we do all of this, lastly, through faith in him. 
So let me read again. We are to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, through you and through me, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. I can't help but to think that this is like, yes, it is through the church. It's, we are God's plan to, to disseminate this light, but yet the relationship still comes through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, we're just God's means of introducing people to someone else. I, I try to be good at this in my own life uh, in the sense of like whenever I, uh, someone walks into a conversation I'm having, if the two people don't know each other, I try to introduce them to each other. Right, so I, I, I don't know when I started this or became, I mean, became cognizant of the fact that I sh this is just something like maybe grown adults do, right? Like introduce people to one another. Like I could be talking to a student and another student might walk up and I might not uh, know that. They might not know the other students, so I introduce them to each other. I've probably done that to some of you here in the parish, right? That after I'm meeting someone who's visiting in the back, you might come out that way and I might purposely introduce you to someone, especially if you're of the same age group or something like that. I want them to feel like immediately they've met people. And that is our job, that we are God's means of simply introducing people to Jesus. Maybe to think along the lines of Epiphany, we're like that star. That we are able to guide people to Jesus. We're not Jesus, of course, but our job is to guide people to him. Paul says in Romans 10, 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Right? I mean, the answers, those are rhetorical questions. You don't have to think long about them. Well, they're not gonna hear unless someone tells them. And again, that's our job. Could, could God do something equivalent to the star again? Sure. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure he does in many ways. I mean, we've heard stories of how people come to faith and, you know, some are very normal, if you will, and others are quite miraculous and extraordinary. So God, in one sense, does, you know, kind of bring people miraculously in the way that he brought the Magi. But, but for many people, they need that star. And again, we are given the opportunity to be like that star, to guide people to the person of Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility, it's not our job to convince them. It's not our job to bear the burden of whether or not they come to that faith in Jesus Christ. God will bring them to him. That's, that's God's responsibility. That's, that's what he wants to be doing. But our job is to introduce him to that person. You might remember Sean and Carolyn uh, Thomas that attended here for a number of years and now live up in the, in the uh, San Francisco area, got, a, got their kind of Christmas uh, uh, card this week, and it had kind of a month-by-month -month thing of what they did this year, and I was looking through it when I uh, got home from uh, Dallas today, and, and uh, what I loved about the fact that last January, they went to a wedding uh, for friends, and, and they, it was people that Sean had introduced to one another. And I thought, that's, that's kind of cool, right? I mean, you introduce a couple of people, and then at some point, they get married. I don't know if that's quite ever happened. I, like, I've I've performed a lot of marriages, but I've never introduced those people. Uh, I may have been there when it all began as students or something like that, but I wasn't the one to introduce them. But, but in a sense, that's, the, that's our job, if you will, as, as believers, 
It's to introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ, and then they'll decide if there's going to be a relationship. We can't make that happen. Right? So on this, the Feast of Epiphany, on this, our patronal feast day, let me call us back to our namesake and remind us, and and for those who have been here for six years, and if you haven't been here for six years, let me uh, tell you perhaps for the first time that we were were given our name by two bishops, uh, Bishop Eric Menes of San Joaquin, the Central Diocese of California, and, and, and our now retired Bishop Bill Together, it was very tradi- it's traditional for bishops to, to give the name of a parish to the parish. And so I told them, we want, I want you to name this parish that we're going to launch. And they communicated after some time that we want it to be called Epiphany because we want you to be a light in the community. And so on, on, on every January 6th, every time we celebrate Epiphany, we are given this opportunity to be reminded, not just scripturally, but even closer to home, if you will, right, by these two dear bishops that, that they had something in mind for us, that they prayed for something for us, and that was to be a light to this community. And so I ask me, myself, I ask you, are we being that light? Right? When we lift up our eyes, do we see the eternal purpose of God for Jew and Gentile alike? Do we see that we are God's plan, the church, that this is going to happen through us? And that ultimately people come to faith through him. We are God's means of introducing people to him. And then it is God's job to to give them the gift of faith. So as we celebrate this epiphany, let us go into this, this new calendar year, thinking about our role as the Anglican Church of the Epiphany. And that collectively we are to be God's light to the world, but also individually to be God's light to those in our lives. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.